Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Thursday as we continue our best of week here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve is on vacation this week, but he's always in the Sunbury Motor Studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com, Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, all new pre-owned inventory, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. What a show we've got for you today in our best of segments. We had a tremendous time getting ready and recapping the NFL draft, and we are going to relive that in today's show. So the first hour, all Eagles. The second hour, all Steelers. This first hour, we're going to kick things off in a couple of moments here with the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, Merrill Reese. And it was a really compelling interview for me because I love seeing the back and forth between the two of them, as always. And then Merrill actually put Steve in the interviewee chair, asking if the Eagles had the shot to take Micah Parsons, should they do so? Because, of course, a lot of controversy has been around the past of Micah Parsons and where he's been and a lot of maybe character issues and things like that. But Steve put a really good explanation to Maryland. It was really a compelling ending to that interview. So that's coming up first. Then at 3.35, we'll replay Ruben Frank from NBC Sports Philadelphia recapping what we saw from the Eagles draft, including his compelling thoughts on what we might may or may not see from the Eagles' second-round pick, the center out of Alabama, Landon Dickerson. So that'll be at 3.35. So that's the first hour with the Eagles. Then at, in the 4 o'clock hour, starting at 4.06, we'll replay Pat Fryermuth. And this was a fun interview. It's always fun to hear from players what they're thinking, what their emotions were like before, during, and after they're picked in the draft, and it was a really fun interview with Pat Fryermuth and and listening to what he had to say about his weekend getting chosen by the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we'll replay that interview at 4.06. And then to follow that at 4.35, the voice of the Steelers, Bill Hillgrove, who when we asked him about Pat Fryermuth, he has some pretty lofty expectations for the former Penn Stater. So that was a really good interview as well. So we're reliving the 2021 NFL draft today. It's going to be exciting to look back on that day and that weekend. And let's kick things off now with Steve talking with the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, Merrill Reese. Thank you. It's always good to be on with the legendary voice of the Nittany Lions. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Merrill. I appreciate that. Oh, so I have to ask you now, it was it's a relatively small sample size, but you got a long look at Jalen Hurts. When you looked at him, does he have, is it too small a sample size, but is it enough to tell you whether he's got it to be a starting quarterback in the NFL? I firmly believe he has it to become a starting quarterback in the NFL. If um, he were in this draft, 
I wouldn't be surprised if he would be the second quarterback taken. That's how good I think he is. I've watched him. Uh, my eyes really opened up when I watched him last summer when we were allowed in the training camp, and I saw the, uh, the way he delivers, the way he picks up everything, the way the players seem to gravitate towards him. He, uh, he moves fluidly. He's got a big arm. He, I've heard people question his arm strength. Believe me, he has a gun. <laughs> He can, he can throw every pass you have to throw. And uh, I, I think what he needs is some good people around him. He needs protection. And he, he just needs a little bit of time and coaching. But I think, I really do, Steve, believe that Jalen Hurts is their quarterback of the future. I think he can be uh, another Dak Prescott, if not better. Well, it's interesting, and that's why I started with that. And the reason I started with that is you're talking – now, I know Wentz's numbers are still on for this year, but then after that it falls off the books. That means the Eagles will have a starting quarterback making a second-round draft pick salary, right, which mm-hmm. works to their benefit. Uh, so does this now – because they have that kind of confidence, that it, does it open up a lot of doors as to the number of players they can bring in to start filling gaps? Yeah, I think it does. I, I think that's a very good point. I think it does. And I think it's a very important thing that they, they bolster that receiving core and give him, give him targets who could, they can separate, uh, make certain that the offensive line is solid. Don't forget, uh, look, Carson Wentz had a bad season last year, and he, uh, he did a lot of things wrong on his own. I mean, they say he had 50 sacks, and that probably 25 of them at least where the fall of Carson Wentz simply holding the ball too long. But that being said, in 16 games, they also had 15 different offensive line combinations. You can't do that and expect any quarterback to succeed. And that's what I've told people. I said, name the Hall of Fame offensive lineman that's played in front of Tom Brady. There aren't any. But they've all been really good. Well, the Eagles have a really good offensive line when everybody's there. But when, they're yeah, on the when, when everybody's there and you line up with Lane Johnson at right tackle and you land up, end up with Brandon Brooks at right guard, who might be their best offensive lineman, uh, you line up with the Mummer, <laughs> Jason Kelsey at center, Siamalo yeah. with left guard, and Jordan Mailata, who is just getting better and better over at left tackle. I, I think that's a very good offensive line. But the question is, you have Lane Johnson coming in off of ankle surgery. Now, supposedly they, they got it right this time, and he's he's going to heal and be fine. You have uh, Brandon Brooks coming off of another serious injury, but he says he's ready to go or will be. Um, Kelsey just goes on and on. I mean, I could probably name 12 injuries, but he plays with them anyhow. Uh, Siamalo seems to be durable, and Mylotta has had some back spasms in the past, but last year it didn't seem to affect him. So let's, you mentioned wide receiver. Draft capital was spent last year in the first round on Jalen Rager. Limited sample size again, but do you see him as a long-term NFL receiver? If we could look into a crystal ball and uh, tell me about the injury picture, I would give you a better idea. From a yeah. talent standpoint, I think the answer is yes. But as Buddy Ryan used to say, durability is as important as ability. And last year he missed quite a few games. He got hurt in training camp, broke some ribs, but was back by the start of the season and then was injured again and missed five games. So if, if, but I think, you know, I, I, I agree. I mean, everybody knows 
that they would have been wise to draft Justin Jefferson ahead of Jalen Rager. We know that. That's a given. But that mm-hmm. doesn't mean Jalen Rager isn't a talented football player. In fact, I think he is. I think he's a very talented football player. And I think that a healthy Jalen Rager on one side and a, a newly acquired wide receiver from Alabama on the other side would uh, give the Eagles a tremendous threat. And Of course, I like Greg Ward in the slot. He's always open. He always catches the ball. Mm-hmm. And they have a couple of other young players they picked up last year whose futures have yet to be entrenched, and that's John Hightower and Quez Watkins. So we'll see what that does. But I, I think with the with one more one more burner on the other side of Rager, I think you, you could turn uh, what was a so-so situation into a real strength. So for you, what are some – give me three priorities over the next three days that in watching the team you'd like to see the Eagles address. Three priorities. Well, when you talk about priorities for this team, I think you can start. And we're just talking about priorities. Uh, I say cornerback is the number one priority. That doesn't mean you have to take a corner in the first round. But that is that is a priority. Defensive line – is a second priority because you need you you need help there. I mean, Brandon Graham is uh, moving into the twilight of his career. Fletcher Cox is either at the outside of his prime or just past his prime. He didn't have a wonderful year. I think you always always need depth on the offensive line. This team never seems to address linebacker, but they have to. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, wide receivers, I said, is always out there. If you look at it on paper, it doesn't fit as, in, as one of those priorities, but it's an area that could be bolstered and change the entire offense. And they have one other priority, and, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them use a sixth-round or seventh-round draft choice on this, and that is putter. Remember, mm-hmm. they lost one of the best putters in football, Cam Johnston. And yep. uh, they've got to replace him. Uh, they have they have someone on the roster right now named Aaron Sippos, and and your guess about what he's all about is as good as mine. I've never <laughs> seen him punt a ball, yeah. so yeah, I know neither, he's a free agent on the, with the Lions for a bit. That's about all. But he's uh, he's he's basically an unknown. And as a, a special teams coach by the name of Bobby April told me a lot of years ago, yep. he said the player who has the greatest effect on a defense is the punter because with one swing of his leg he can tra- he can he can change field position by 60 yards and Bobby April's one of the legendary special teams coaches yeah, yeah. out there I mean legendary mm-hmm. uh, what kind of read like he hasn't coached a single game yet but just personality wise and so forth what kind of read do you have on Nick Sirianni well personality wise he's terrific um, I, I thought when he was introduced in his initial press conference, that was kind of shaky. Uh, you know, he was wide-eyed and uh, it did not seem at ease. But I had an opportunity to do a one-on-one Zoom conference with him, and um, the Eagles set it up. And I took a, a notepad and they wrote five or six different areas that I wanted to get into. Some of the things you talked about. Uh, about the offensive line, about the passing game, but they're going to use things of that nature. I I never got to any of them because he came on the Zoom and said, hey, Merle, how's it going? 
And an hour and ten minutes later, we were still telling stories <laughs> and talking about people that we knew in common, about Bruce Arians, about everything else. And I was I was really impressed with his warmth, his communication skills, his love for the game, and just his overall bearing. He he just loves football, has come from a football family, and is thankful, grateful, and excited about this opportunity. So I like him. But, of course, we know uh, that to judge a coach, uh, you, you can't do it on personality and right. on one-on-one conversations. You have to see how he reacts when it's, when it's fourth and one and the ball is at the your own 40-yard line and the game is on the line. You have to see you know, what he, you know, how the players respond to him. I, I have a, feel, a feeling the players are going to respond just fine to him. I mean, I've been, you know, Doug Peterson, players love Doug Peterson, and yet mm-hmm. he had a real feeling of authority. And on the other hand, we we went through the Chip Kelly era where, I mean, he, he communicated with basically nobody. He was the poorest communicator I've ever been around as far as a coach is concerned. And even though he got off to a great start with a unique system, ultimately that cost him. Uh, nobody cared. I had assistant coaches coming up to me and saying, did I do anything wrong? I said, no, why? They'd say, well, Chip isn't talking to me. So I, I think that I think from, from that standpoint, I think he's going to be just fine. I think Nick will be just fine in that area. But we have to wait and see to judge a coach. Aren't those the fun conversations, though, Merrill, where you have some questions you want to ask, and then it goes off script and you end up learning oh. more about the oh. person anyway? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think he's I, I, I think he's a terrific guy. And I think he's got a bright young staff, uh, Jonathan Gannon, uh, defensive coordinator. He's been around as a defensive coach, anxious to see him. They held on to, I think, the best coach on the staff. Uh, they, they held on to Jeff Stoutland, who yeah. was a great offense. I mean, Alabama would take him back in a second. No and doubt. That's the, that's the one good thing Chip did. He brought him in here with him. He did a few good things. He drafted Lane Johnson. He drafted... Uh, he he drafted Zachers, but uh, overall it, it ended disastrously. But I think uh, when when you bring in a Jeff Stout, uh, you you have a chance to have a real good offensive line because he's a fabulous teacher, and the players really respond to him. Uh, this is about the league in general. Obviously, last year they did expand the playoffs. Uh, and, of course, now they're expanding the season, as expected. I mean, it was there they could go to a 17th game, and you knew they would the first opportunity they had. How do you feel about that? Uh, personally, I love it uh, from a personal standpoint. Wouldn't all of us like to do one less preseason game and one you more game that, that right. counts? Yep. And, and, and wouldn't the fans feel that way? As a player, I would ne- never have permitted it. I would have voted... I would have voted vigorously and campaigned vigorously against it when it came up with the Players Association having to agree to a contract because I honestly believe that in this in this game, Steve, uh, they take such a pounding, such yep. a pounding. And they don't in the preseason because the starters hardly play. And I, I thought 16 was quite enough. I mean, when I started, it was 14. Now it's 16, and we know it's not going to stop at 17. It's going to go to 18, and all I think of is how much battering can a body take. And I absolutely agree with that answer because I remember years ago they 
they proposed the possibility of 18, and it got shot down by the players right away. And I completely understand why, because, look, you get to week 12, it's like being in one car wreck after another for these guys. Yeah, yeah look, I, I remember doing a show one time with John Madden, and he honestly, and he really ardently believed that they shouldn't go to overtime. That that's when more injuries happen because yeah. they're they're tired. They're going beyond the four quarters. He thought there should be ties. Just ended right then and there. The four quarters of football is enough. And uh, but look, we we live in a world where money talks, and for yeah. extra money, players are willing to take the extra punishment. And uh, you know, I, a lot of them will end up regretting it when they're fifty years old and having trouble getting out of the chair. Absolutely agree. Remember the part I said earlier about you know playing questions versus having just a great conversation. That's what we ended up having. No surprise. <laughs> it's always fun to be on with you. Same here, Merrill. Thank you so much, and appreciate oh, can I, can the valuable I ask you a question. Time. Please ask all you want. Okay, I, 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 my my feeling is that the Eagles will take if, if depending who slips through either right. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Patrick Sertain, or J uh, C Horn. Okay, the two corners of the two wide receivers, right. whichever slips through. Uh, but if they stay at number twelve, and if Micah Parsons is there, mm-hmm. should they take him? Yes, because you're talking about you. T- you talked about linebacker being an issue. So he obviously can play linebacker and edge rusher. So he brings to the table incredible quickness, as you saw by the four three ninety ran in his forty on pro day. He brings great strength. But here's what else he brings to the table: when you're a guy that, as you you and I both know, Merrill, that guys go from safety to outside linebacker, they go from outside linebacker maybe to a defensive end as they transition in their careers. Rarely did they go back from the line of scrimmage, and that's what Micah Parsons did from high school to college, which meant he had to learn how to play in space. You have to have work ethic and intelligence to do what he did in two years, Mm. and that's what he's going to bring to the table. He is very, very smart. He works very, very hard. He already has his degree, by the way, here at Penn State. Oh, does he? He does. Yes, he already has his degree. He is a very smart individual, and a walk-on player this is a walk-on player I was standing on the sideline at practice one day and he looked at me and Micah came by he was on kickoff return he came by, slapped my hand he goes, hey Mr. Jones, how you doing? good, he kept on going the walk-on player looks at me and he says you know, when he came here we'd heard so many things about him I didn't know what to expect my goodness, what a terrific guy he is what a great teammate he says, mm-hmm. he says when you get to know him you love him so, yeah, I, so I would take him I, I will keep that in mind, Steve. I will keep that in mind. Well, thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure interviewing you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always fun to get together, and any time you, you want to take a few minutes and, and, and have me squawk about something or other, I'm always happy to pick up the phone and do it. Thanks so much, Merrill. It is a true pleasure. Thank you, my friend. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. I love it. Uh, I just that was one of my, That's probably one of my favorite interviews of the year. So it was always good to have Merrill Reese on, but I, I just I just love that little back and forth talking about Micah Parsons at the end because it's been such a one it was at the time one of the bigger question marks of that round one. So it, it, that was really compelling to to listen to once again.
So coming up next, we're going to keep things recapping the Eagles draft. In the next half hour, it's Ruben Frank from NBC Sports Philadelphia recapping what was then the Eagles draft. And then in the 4 o'clock hour, we turn our attention to the Steelers. Replay of Pat Fryermuth and the voice of the Steelers, Bill Hillgrove, coming up as well. As we continue here on the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Back here on the Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you as we continue our best of editions this week. As Steve is on vacation this week, but as always in the Sunbury Motor Studio, Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Now we go to Ruben Frank from NBC Sports Philadelphia who joined Steve following the NFL draft recapping what the Eagles did. And part of the interview that I really liked was his compelling thoughts on what may or may not be come of Landon Dickerson, the center out of Alabama, who was the Eagles' second-round pick. Steve got into that and a lot more with Rube on the Eagles' draft. We bring in Ruben Frank from NBC Sports Philly. Ruben, an absolute pleasure as always. Welcome back. You got it. How you doing? I'm doing great, and I want to start with, yeah, I'm re- I read your tweet about the 2017 draft, and my first thought was, this guy and I must talk to each other all the time because it's exactly how I feel about such things. It's we all want to give quote draft grades afterward. Your tweet about the 2017 draft offered tremendous perspective. So how do you put drafts into into perspective when you look at what they did in 2017 or what they didn't do in 2017? Yeah, and the point being that draft grades I've always thought were silly because you know you yes. don't you just don't know uh, for a couple years how how these guys are going to pan out and there's just so much that goes into it and a guy that seems like a really good prospect who knows how the money affects them who knows how being away from home affects them who knows how being in a different scheme with new coaches new teammates affects him uh, it, it's really just unpredictable so in 2017 yeah the Eagles got an A for their draft and I, I don't think any of those guys are even on the team anymore 
um, I guess Derek Barnett is, but uh, it's yeah, yeah it, it's it, it's funny. It's like you look at the Eagles' 2011 draft, and Danny Watkins, an offensive lineman, was their first round pick, and another offensive lineman, Jason Kelsey, was a sixth round pick. Right. So people now look back at that draft as being a failure because they missed on their on their first round pick, but. They got a, a possible Hall of Famer in the sixth round in Jason Kelsey. Well, what if those two spots were switched? What if they got Kelsey in the first round? They got a Hall of Fame five-time All-Pro type guy, and then Danny Watkins was just an afterthought in the sixth round. Then people would think, "Wow, that's a great draft." So, really, to me, it's just it, it doesn't matter except how many good players you get ultimately in that draft. And, and I think people look at it the wrong way a lot. Um, you really have to wait. You just don't know for a couple of years with, with most of these guys. Exactly, because I know in what I do in broadcasting Penn State games, I know it's a leap from high school to college. I also know that going from college to the NFL is a chasm, and you don't know how it – like Cam Hayward was a first-round pick. The first couple of years with the Steelers, everybody's like, okay, fine – Right. Now look at him. He's like the rock of Gibraltar because on his own clock, he got better, Ruben. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I'm, I've known Tony Sackett since he was a, a freshman in high school. Yeah. He's, you know, he's a guy who was a really, I mean, he was a, a very good college quarterback, and he was a pretty high pick. Uh, and just, I know, he's out of the league in, in a couple of years. You just don't know. Um, you just don't know how these things are going to go. Yeah, because I was on the broadcast team back when Tony played here. I mean, let's yeah. face it, he had a lot of the great natural physical gifts to play, but it didn't quite translate to the next level. So, but to me, when I look at a draft uh, like 72 hours later, what I, I ask myself, based on what I'm seeing, would I still make the same pick? That's how I start. Mm-hmm. To me, with the Eagles, at least in the first couple of rounds, I still would have made those picks. Now we'll just see how they play. How do you feel about it? Well, the second-round pick scares me a little because of his injuries. It's a real boomer bust type pick. That's Landon Dickerson, the center from Alabama. Yeah, if he's healthy, yeah. he, he's a he's a Pro Bowl guard. There's no doubt in my mind he's that good. I mean, he's a special talent. Yeah. Uh, but this is a kid who's 22 and has had two ankle surgeries and two ACLs. So, what Landon Dickerson do the Eagles get? Nobody knows. If you know, does does he just keep getting injured and drift out of the league in a couple of years, or you know, can he stay healthy and become a, you know, really fundamental piece of that offensive line? I just nobody knows. So, I think it's a risky pick at thirty-seven, uh, but the the potential there is boundless. So, uh, I think that pick kind of makes or breaks this draft because Devonte Smith to me is, is a star. I mean, uh, he's going to be a star. Yeah. He's going to be a terrific wide receiver. I'll be shocked if he's not. Uh, and then once you get out of the first couple rounds, you, you get what you get. They're going to hit on a couple of these guys, and they'll miss on most of them, and that's the reality. So to me, Landon Dickerson makes or breaks this draft. If he is mm-hmm. what they think he is and he's healthy, this is a, a heck of a draft. If not, you know, it's it's below average. Right. You know, exactly. Dickerson does make or break it. Because when he plays, when he plays, he's terrific. But the key is when he plays – yeah. And that's what—that's the part we don't know. Uh, positionally, you know, how did you feel? Part of this is what you do positionally. So positionally, did the Eagles attempt to address what you thought they needed to? 
No, and I think that's a good thing. I, I, I think they didn't reach for a cornerback in the first three rounds, yep. which was the right thing to do. You know, the value never really matched up with where they picked, and they were true to their board. And they took the best player, the guy that they thought was the best player at that spot, and their biggest need come in was cornerback, and it still is their biggest need. But they're they're not in a position to reach for a guy. And once Sertan and J.C. Horn were gone, before they picked a 10, there just wasn't a sensible spot to get a corner. They finally got Zach uh, McPherson from Texas Tech in, in the fourth round. But they only got him because they really liked him, not because he was a corner. So I think really this is the first time in a few years that they really didn't reach for anybody. They just yeah. they stayed true to their board. And, and really this football team's in a position where there's no reason to reach for anyone because they're, they're not going to be a contender next year. Uh, but they could be in two years. So you just try to stock up on as many good players as you can and, you know, and see what you have. Uh, and, you know, did they really need a defensive tackle at, at 73? No, but they love this Milton Williams kid from Louisiana Tech, and, yeah. and they took him there, and, and they're hoping he'll be a piece. Because you never – if you draft for need – you know, you you end up getting a player that just shouldn't have been picked there. And no, you know, if you pick a if you pick a defensive tackle and it looks like you might not need a defensive tackle, well, maybe in two years that guy's a starter for you. So I think they played it the right way. Yeah, I think they played it the right way too. McPherson's interesting because obviously I saw him for two years here before he transferred to Texas Tech. And yeah, I mean the pro- the problem he had here, Ruben, is that there was a log jam. At his position, there really there was very few pathways up here, right. and so he, you know, he ended up transferring, and I'm happy for him because I mean, Zach's yeah, a terrific he spoke very player. highly of, of of his his time in Penn State, and he said he loved it there, and that wasn't the reason he, he yeah he, he moved down to Texas Tech. Exactly what you said, he he just needed an opportunity to play, which he which he got down there, but yeah. uh, he did speak really highly of I guess his two years in in State College. Yeah, yeah and his brother, by the way, Josh was a was an intern for us. Uh, so, oh, really? So, yeah, yeah. So his, his brother's a terrific guy uh, and a good good worker, too. All right, so moving forward with this team, I I know it's a four, it was a four-game sample size. Is, that, is it too little, or was that enough for you to make a judgment as to, as to whether Jalen Hurts is an NFL-level quarterback? Well, I think if you look at the games he played, and he, I think he had the second most combined passing and rushing yards ever by a rookie in his first three starts uh, behind Cam Newton. He actually had the six most passing yards, and that's with that's with no wide receivers you could even name right now. Um, four out of five backups on the offensive line. Uh, some pretty bad play calling by a coach who was about to get fired. Uh, so it, it and, and a dysfunctional quarterback room, to be honest. So yeah. I think, considering the circumstances, he played better than I expected. And and yet, did he fumble a few times? Yes. This is a kid who never had a preseason. You know, 21 years old, uh, had had never played the game on the NFL level, and um, I thought he played better than I expected. And certainly, the the flaws you can work with, but the talent is there now. Can he do it consistently? I, I, I haven't seen enough um, to, to answer that. I don't think anybody yeah. has. He played, you know, he played, he started and finished three games. Right. And he played three full games and parts of two others. So it's really not enough to, to draw any conclusions, but it's enough for me to feel like 
if they get this kid some weapons, and they certainly did with Devontae Smith, and, mm-hmm. and get him an offensive line that, that's healthy and, and intact, uh, and, and a play caller in, in Nick Sirianni who can help put him in those positions to, to succeed, I think he's got a chance. I really do. I saw a lot of good things. I like that he gets the ball down the field. And people made a big deal about his accuracy. I mean, he's thrown down the field every other snap, which you know, which I like. Um, to, to guys who really, half of them won't even be in the league this year. Uh, obviously, he's athletic. He can run. And I, I thought with each passing game, he used better judgment about when to run, when to take off, when to throw it out of bounds. Uh, so I saw growth just in those few games, and I'm excited to see him. I, I'll tell you what, I think he's got a chance. I, I can't sit here and say he's the answer. Uh, but I do think he's got a pretty good chance. So let's get back to the uh, uh, the early part of your answer. You said he did this without a, without a training camp, no preseason games. This year there will be at least three preseason games. For Nick Sirianni and this group, how important will this preseason be for them in terms of evaluation to figure out where they have to go with this moving forward? Well, yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's reps, and and for for Jalen, I mean, that's he just hasn't had enough of them. So, um, I think I think there's so many. I mean, this is a new coach who's not going to have OTAs, doesn't have a rookie camp, so he's behind the eight ball already. So, I think those those three games, assuming it's three preseason games, are going to be huge. And you know, I don't think they'll make any final judgments about Jalen Hurts based on those games, but it's just going to be huge for him to get those reps with these young receivers that he's just really never had a chance to practice with. I mean, he wasn't getting any reps until until he was a starter and with the one. So um, really valuable stuff, and I think I think they're going to go into it just understanding that whatever happens in the preseason, you're not going to draw any conclusions from, but it's going to be really important work for him. Always a pleasure to be with you, Ruben. Thanks so much for your perspective. It's great. Appreciate it. You got it. We'll talk to you down the line. And that is Ruben Frank. Always does a great job covering the Eagles and really all Philly sports, especially from the stats. He always has those crazy stats that you just don't think of or that just wow you or just maybe something's up for you if you're watching a particular Eagles game or any Philly sports game for that matter. So Ruben's a man. Good to have him back with Steve a couple months ago recapping the Eagles draft. Coming up in the next hour, we turn our attention now to the Steelers draft as we relive the 2021 NFL draft here today on a best of the Steve Jones show. Pat Fryermuth replay coming up next at 4.06. Then Bill Hillgrove, the voice of the Steelers replay at 4.35. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. It is a best of the Steve Jones Show here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.